welcome back to the Biblical Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Kat. Tonight, Whitley couldn't be here. She is getting ready to have a baby here soon. So she's getting ready to go on maternity leave. And I'm very excited because I get to be Aunt Kat, even though I'm not technically her aunt, but I get to be Aunt Kat. Um, (laughs) So I can't do podcasting alone. I get very bored and sad when I record alone. So I have asked a special friend to come on to the show to just fill in until Whitley gets back. And we've had her on the show before. She has been a featured blogger and author with Simply Devoted in the past. And she's just a great Christian woman who loves the Lord, loves theology, and is very passionate about teaching others. So Nicole Byram will be joining us uh, here in the near future to be doing interviews, uh, to be just digging into Bible topics with us. Tonight's Bible topic was actually inspired by a Facebook article that I saw. It was a while back, and it was on the importance of studying church history. Troy Frazier and I from Revive Thoughts touched very briefly on church history a couple episodes ago. But after seeing this article, I'm like, we really need to just dig into this topic. Like, it's so worth, like, an entire episode. So I decided to bring in some experts to talk about this topic with us. The first guest is Drew Vonita. He is the creator of the Matter of Theology podcast, and he is a delivery driver for FedEx, and he's also the director of the Cruciform Bible Institute. He holds a bachelor's degree in theological and biblical studies and also has a master's degree in biblical exposition. He lives in Georgia with his wife, Brandy, and they just welcomed their first child, Lawson, in January. But welcome onto the show, Drew. Thanks. Thanks. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. And I don't know about that whole expert part, but, you know, I just I, I'm, I'm going to do the best that I can. <laughs> hey, that's all we can do. But I love your guys' show. You guys really take a deep dive into theological topics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and really, we just we look out at what's going on in the culture, how the church responds to it. um, And then we just say, hey, we need to talk about this. And so we just we, we open our Bibles, we exposit scripture, and we take a look at everything that's going on in church, in culture, from a biblical standpoint. And usually it's, you know, I'm the one that's got to hold Chris back uh, from really (laughs) just like going crazy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, our second guest tonight is Chris, and we weren't sure if he was going to be able to join us at the last second. Um, So I don't have a written bio for him, so I'm going to guess things about him. He's going to let me know if I'm right or wrong. (laughs) (laughs) okay all right this is worth this this right here is worth the price of it it is it (laughs) is i agree so i do get the first one for free it is chris and he is also a host for matters of theology that's correct so far so good so far so good uh i'm gonna say you're married i am yes you also work at Cruciform, I believe, correct? Correct. I'm the Dean of Students. Okay, we're doing good so far. You're doing great. You're um, doing great. <laughs> okay, and now this is the most important question. 
Have you seen Tiger King or not? I have not, and I have no desire to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> well, we uh, when quarantine hit, it definitely was very, very popular where I live. So <laughs> it uh, yes, it it has it has made the rounds everywhere. Uh, when you when you when you are stuck inside and. Uh, from a quote unquote pandemic, uh, then there you go. That's, uh, it's, it's you, you, I'm curious about this. What is this? Oh, it's about that. Okay. No. <laughs> well, whoever thought that the illegal cat trade could be so interesting. Right. <laughs> That's what we're saying. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you would like the listeners to know about you? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I, um, uh, I, I double booked myself. Um, uh, Sorry. Uh, so I didn't know if I would be able to be on because uh, I, I do have uh, another another episode with uh, uh, our, our friend Brad Weber uh, with Theology Nights coming up at 730 um, uh, p.m. But uh, uh, married, uh, happily married for 12 years, uh, almost. Uh, it'll be 12 years in a few weeks. Um, and uh, my wife and I have one son as well. He is uh, uh, he is four. Uh, his name is Noah. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, I, I love God's word. I, I love reading about theology, studying theology and, and, and taking a look at how it applies to every facet of every, uh, every moment of every day for each one of us. So I guess that's, that's quote unquote me in a nutshell. If you want to know more, finding me on Instagram, you'll see a lot going on there. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show. I am very honored to have you on here with me tonight. So Chris and Drew, can you tell me the story of how you guys came to faith? Uh, yeah. Uh, first, it was definitely by God's grace. Amen. Um, I mean, I can remember... Uh, when I was younger, probably around high school age, just making professions of faith, but they were shallow and they were insincere. Um, so honestly, I can't pinpoint a uh, an exact date or a moment where I became saved. I just remember one day, uh, I think that I'm, I'm good with God. I think that I'm going to heaven. Uh, and then the next day, I realize I don't know God at all. Uh, I need to repent and not just let Christ into my heart. I need to submit my heart to Christ. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that was, I, if I had to, to put a date on it, I would say maybe around 2010 or so, 2011. Um, so, so it was, it was just like that. It was, uh, you know what? I actually don't know God uh, <laughs> and, and I need to repent. Well, that's awesome. And I am. Um... My personal story is very close to that, so I definitely, definitely respect that. And what about you, Chris? Yeah, I was uh, right out of high school. Um, I started uh, started going to a, a, a local Baptist church um, here in the metro Atlanta area, and uh, uh, it was October thirty first. I mean, the date that I could peg. I mean, it, it, you know, uh, just like Drew said, it's it's by God's grace. And so when that that moment of regeneration happened, I'm not sure uh, that the, the uh, but October 31st of 2000 was when um, uh, the, the the gospel made sense to me. The Lord opened my eyes to, uh, and and no longer was the cross folly to me, as Paul said, in, as, as says in Corinthians. But um, I was able to comprehend uh, my need for a Savior, uh, um, the, the fact that I had transgressed uh, Him and and His law, 
uh, by my sin and, um, and, and put my faith in Christ, uh, for the first time. And, uh, and it was, what's interesting about that. And, and, uh, Drew and I joke about this often, uh, it was at a place called the tribulation trail, uh, which is, is heavily dispensational. Uh, and they, they, I mean, they put on a great production. I mean, there was pyro, there was, I mean, the costumes, the military outfits and, and, uh, you know, putting on the show about what the, you know, their interpretation of, uh, of what would take place, um, uh, during the tribulation, quote unquote. Uh, and so part of it was, I don't want to be here for this. And then as the gospel was explained, um, I got it. And, um, and then what's interesting is I had a lot of friends that I was hanging out with then that, uh, that of course I, I, I don't now. Uh, and they were all like, oh, you're going to change, man. You're going to change. I'm like, no, no, I'm going to be the same. I'm going to be the same guy. We're still going to talk about the same things. And, and uh, a few weeks later, I was no longer hanging out with them. Um, mm -hmm. And I just, I had no desire to. So, um, and it's been, it's been a, a process of sanctification since then. So by, by his grace alone, definitely. So. Well, that is awesome. And I have to say, I've never had a guest tell me that it was, that they were saved during a uh, tribulation trail. Well, there, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's a first for everything. <laughs> but that is amazing. And I, I enjoy it. That's awesome. That's cool. All right. Well, what made you guys want to start the podcast matter of theology? Yeah. So, uh, around, uh, 2015, um, I actually started a blog that was called Matter of Theology, and it came about where I was just having uh, conversations with people that were professing Christians, and I just, in listening to them, I'm going, your theology is kind of off a little bit. Like, some the stuff you're saying is not actually in the Bible. And I remember one conversation in particular I was having with a guy um, that I had known for, for a couple years uh, he had went to some, uh, seminar about evangelism. And so, uh, we were, you know, we would get to talking and, and I'm asking, you know, the things that he learned and all this stuff. And, and by the end of it, I just said, dude, your evangelism is missing evangelism. Like you're not actually doing it. And so I actually wrote this blog piece called your evangelism is missing evangelism. And it was just an overview of kind of how I did evangelism, which was, very much like the charismatic movement kids grow up in and uh, YWAM and things like that with treasure hunts and, and just going out and praying for people, but never giving them the gospel. Um, and so, so it started there. And then I met Chris um, a couple years ago and, and we just started talking and everything that we started talking about was, was theology and apologetics and, and, you know, looking at things in the culture and in the church and, and just talking about it. And then we just said, well, let's just start a podcast because uh, we have a lot to say on these issues. And when we started, it was myself, Chris and Chris's brother-in-law. Um, and I just went and got this microphone that just had an <laughs> Omni feature and sat it right down in, on a table and we surrounded it. And <laughs> and if you go listen to those early episodes, they are rough. Sound quality is awful. I mean, great content, but the, the quality of sound is terrible. We should re-record those with, with uh, with the setup that we have now. <laughs> yeah, we probably should. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just, that's how the podcast really got started. It started with a blog and me just talking to people and going, eh, something's a little off here. And then we just 
Chris and I got together and just started recording our conversations with one another. Well, that's awesome. And I feel like there's just been a resurgence, maybe, of Christians who are passionate about studying the deeper things of the faith, digging into mm-hmm. theology and church history. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. I guess I don't see it maybe with the older generations as much as I do the younger ones. Yeah, I would I would affirm that. Um, mainly just because these younger generations that are coming up, they're they're listening to what's being taught from the pulpit and they go, No, there's more. Like you're giving us moralism, you're giving us, you know, pragmatism. It's more than that, right? We want the book. And so you know, there's this urge to get into and dig into the Bible and see what the Bible actually has to say and dealing with the theological issues that are in the Bible. Yeah, there's there definitely is a, a hunger for it. The problem is there's not a lot of people out there that are willing to to get one on one with these people and actually teach them. Mm-hmm. Yes. On my end for Simply Devoted, we're going to be tackling the uh, Gen Z Bible uh, translation oh, yeah. devotional thing. Nice. Um, so, cause I, I ordered my copy and I started to read it. Um, so it's very interesting. Oh, that's who is the pastor or preacher from the past that, you know, has had the biggest impact on your life. There's so many to choose from. Um, and that's, and that, that's ultimately where I am. I, I think if I had to nail down, uh, one, um, who, who just over the past few years has, uh, the Lord has used uh, him, um, just to, just to open my eyes to, um, to, to so much it would be Jonathan Edwards. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, arguably the, the, the greatest, uh, American pastor that our, our nation has ever known. Um, you know, the stands that he took for the purity of scripture, uh, in the church, uh, I mean, are, are unmatched. Um, him and he, and of course George Whitfield, um, and the presbyters there uh, in the Massachusetts, New England, uh, New Hampton area, um, and all throughout the eastern eastern seaboard, really, uh, what they were able to do just by preaching the gospel uh, in in its purest form, the the whole gospel, not not watering down, uh, speaking like a, like the Gen Z, the, the translation, not not wanting to change anything in order to be pragmatic to to fit um, that you know to, to, to fit the, the culture and the, fit the age. I mean, they were, uh, I mean, mercilessly, but full of mercy and grace, preaching the gospel, uh, and 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 I mean, you just read the Great Awakening and. Um, and all that was happening there. I mean, I mean, people bewailing over their own sin because of, of, of the pure preaching of God's word. And then of course his resolutions, uh, that he read over, uh, daily and, and, and sought to, uh, said things like Lord stamp eternity on my eyeballs and, uh, his desire to be the holiest and most righteous Christian, not to earn God's favor, but because of what Christ has done for him. Um, at the cross to, 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 to love Christ and love God so much that he is, he wanted to be the best Christian literally. Um, uh, and, and so his writings and his works and, um, uh, were introduced to me really. I mean, I knew about Jonathan Edwards, but I didn't really dig in until after March of 2019, uh, when Dr. Stephen Lawson did a breakout session at the shepherds conference. And, uh, you can ask Drew, I, I was, I was, I mean that, that the rest of that night, I was very quiet, um, 
and uh, and that's unusual for me. And uh, and and just just contemplating what I just heard and 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 you know praying and, and searching the scriptures and and just allowing what what I just heard and experienced and and the example of his life to. Uh, to influence, you know, how, Lord, how are you going to use this to to conform me more into your image? So if I had to pick one recently, uh, it would be Edwards. Oh, yeah. And he's a, an amazing one. I remember uh, when I was younger, I read his some of his sermons and I was a very immature believer. And I'm like, there's no way God could be like this. Right. And right. I'm like, this isn't Christianity. Thinners in the and hands of an it, angry God. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm like, there's no way. And as time passed and I met with um, very solid people, I started to explore the deeper things of the faith and I reread those. And I'm like, yes, this is absolutely the gospel. This is absolutely the truth. Right. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> uh, for myself, uh, like Chris said, it's really hard to pick one. Um, so I'm going to pick two, uh, nice. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, and really just because these two men, I think, uh, we need both, uh, w- we need pastors that are exactly like both of these two men. Uh, the first one is, uh, the reformer, the Scottish reformer, John Knox. Uh, he was a man that preached with boldness. Uh, he was fearless. Mm-hmm. He was passionate in the pulpit. Uh, so much so that he would actually call out the Queen of uh, the Queen of Scots, uh, Mary Queen of Scots, from the pulpit, and that would actually earn him several summons uh, to her uh, to her castle. Uh, and there, he would actually condemn her idols to her face, uh, and oftentimes reduce her to tears. Uh, so, I mean, we need we need men that just are that bold uh, and that fearless. The second one, I would say, Drew, no, Drew, Drew, one second. Can yeah. I can I just throw in one quote about John Knox for you? Okay, and, and I've sent this to you, but but this this just encapsulates what he's saying. And I'm sorry to cut you off, but this is so good. Uh, so Thomas Randolph wrote a letter to oh, yeah. William Cecil concerning the preaching of John Knox in October of 1561, and this is what it says: "Quote, I assure you, the voice of one man is able in one hour to put more life into us than 500 trumpets." continually blustering in our ears yeah. period close quote yeah wow i love that that's wow. awesome oh yeah yeah right, buddy go ahead uh but the second one is a uh, another scottish pastor uh from dundee scotland by the name of robert murray mcshane and his preaching you know he would he would preach the truth of god's word he would exposit god's word but he had a way of just wrapping his arms around the congregation in a way to almost counsel from the pulpit. And this was a man that, that cared for the souls of people, not just in his church, but also in his community. Uh, he had a, a tear stained Bible in his study where he would weep over the lost souls that were in his community. He had, uh, the, the Bible that was in his pulpit was also tear stained because when he was preaching, he mm. would, he would oftentimes weep over the congregation for them to know Christ more. Uh, but around town, uh, even the town drunks would take off their hat in respect to him when he would walk by. And there's a story, actually. Uh, he was walking uh, past a tavern and, uh, you know, there was a, a visitor um, that was there. And one of the and all the, the town drunks that were there took off their hat and and they looked to the, this visitor and they say, take off your hat, man. There goes one who truly cares about your soul. Mm. Um 
So, I mean, he just, he, to, to me, Robert Murray McShane encapsulates what every preacher needs to be as far as uh, Come on. longing for the souls of the people in the community and caring for them. Amen. That, yeah, that's amazing. And I, I don't think I've ever heard of him. I am still personally diving into church history. So I, I love learning new things. Mm. And those are both amazing men. And you're right. I think we do need both um, for different reasons. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And speaking of the past, you know, what are your top three reasons why modern Christians should study church history? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of kick things off and, and we can go from there. Um, you know, first Christ said that he would build his church. Amen. So, so church history is really looking back at how Christ has done that. Uh, we look back to see, um, the establishment of the church, how it began in one area, but then, you know, by the time you get to acts and you get to all the, the pastoral epistles, it's just exploded. It's going out. Mm -hmm. Churches are being planted. Churches are, are rising up. Um, you, you have the expansion that's taking place. And so from, from where we sit in 2020, we look back and we can see just how much God has built his church. And I mean, really, church history is all about remembering what God has done. And if that's we right. if we go uh, into the Old Testament, we see, you know, people that would uh, meet with God, God would do something, right? Abra God would do something with Abraham and Abraham would build an altar. Why? To remember the place here that God met, met me and, and, and God moved with us, you know? Um, so, so, so I would say that's one of the, one of the first reasons we need to, we need to study church history. Yeah. Yeah. And I would jump in, uh, just kind of piggybacking on that, man. Psalm nine says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. And, um, you know, when, when we look back at the steadfast faithfulness of God, how he has built his church, protected for his church, provided for his church, um, that there, there, there always has been, um, there always will be, and there will be in the future, his bride, um, to, to whom he provides for. Um, so it's a motivation for us. It's a motivation to, uh, to, to, to remain hopeful. Uh, when we, when we look at these, 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 you know, giants of the faith and we're coming up on October, of course, reformation month. And, mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, next year, 2021 being, uh, the 500th anniversary of the diet of Worms, uh, where, where men like, you know, where Martin Luther stood and said, here, I stand, I can do no other God help me. Um, and, and then we look at what we are experiencing in, in 2020 and, and, um, you know, you look at, uh, I, I put this on social media, um, a few days ago, Nate Pickowitz, uh, who is, uh, is an, an incredible pastor. Uh, if you're not following him, you should, but he put on Twitter, he said, Luther, uh, uh, here I stand MacArthur, bring it on. Yeah. And, um, and it's, you know, we, we see, so we, we see what God has done, how God has preserved his church. And so then when we are faced, uh, it, with these moments of, of, of tyranny, when we're faced with these moments of, uh, of true persecution, uh, or the start of true persecution, I should say, um, that then, you know, uh, not only do we look to the scriptures the first and foremost and, and, and the most, but, but we, we, we also look at and remember 
all that God has done. And so that helps us stand uh, and persevere. Uh, I think of Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Well, why? Verse two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, so so we, we study church history to remember God's faithfulness and to, and, and to stand firm and to be immovable. So, uh, yeah. and I hate to jump off, but I've got a jet and go jump on with Brad. Um, uh, Kat, thank, <laughs> thank you. You, so you, you guys have a rest, a wonderful rest of your, have a rest, a wonderful rest of your, have a rest, a wonderful rest of your, have a rest. Of, well, thank you. And that was an amazing answer. So have fun. <laughs> See ya. See ya, man. <laughs> See ya. Um, so yeah, to just, just continue the, uh, continue the question. Um, you know, church history, it helps us shape our theology as well. Um, you know, we can, if you were to ask someone about, you know, why they hold the, their particular view of revelation, the book of revelation that they do, uh, <laughs> many, many people could, couldn't give you an answer. Right. But, you, you know, you ask, well, do you hold to a late dating or do you hold to an early dating? Well, if you hold to a late dating, that goes all the way back from one quote from a man named Irenaeus. And that's fine. But the problem is, how do you interpret what Irenaeus said? Because he wrote in Greek. And then with Irenaeus, you just have other issues. Like Irenaeus believed that Jesus lived to be 50 years old and that he had a 15 year ministry. Well, no no like real sincere biblical scholar would ever agree with that. Uh, so, so you, you start running into issues, but uh, I, I mean the, the whole, even the dispensational premillennial um, view didn't exist un, until the, the 19th century when it was created by John Nelson Darby. Um, so, so knowing church history can help shape uh, our theology, and that actually is very relevant for today because a lot of the movements, like the popular movements, ministry movements today, uh, and I'm thinking of one in particular out in California, their, their whole theological framework is structured around uh, a form of Arianism and Gnosticism. Well, if you don't know Arianism and you don't know Gnosticism, you don't recognize those things once they're brought up in churches like that. So it helps guard us in the way we do church and the things that we believe in and, and how we move forward with that. Oh yeah. And in that last little segment there, you did answer the next question um, as far as like guarding against heresies. And um, yeah, that's, I think that's a really big reason to study church history mm -hmm. is just because we are seeing more and more of these types of uh heresies pop up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're very popular, very, right. very popular. That's right. And a lot of the, because people don't know church history, uh, they fall for what is really just repackaging and, and a better presentation of ancient heresies. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. For me, I am a beginning Bible scholar and digging into church history has helped me develop my theology mm -hmm. and to start recognizing and learning uh, these different heresies and also just learning different biblical perspectives like dispensationalism, 
Um, cause that is, that is very, very popular, right. um, where I live in Appalachia. Yeah. And um, it's, 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 it's popular here too. Like you, every church, well, I, I shouldn't say every, but the majority of churches here in the South and, and Chris and I are down here in Georgia, um, hold to that view. Um, like he, he mentioned, you know, the tribulation trails. I mean, every October there's a tribulation trail, um, and they, they are flooded with people. Um, and it's good for moving the emotions. The problem is, is it relies on a false interpretation of, of, of scripture, uh, in order to do that. Right. So like, you know, somehow you have, you know, flying locusts turning into, you know, Apache helicopters. Uh, so (laughs) it's just, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know where, where the jump happened. Um, (laughs) especially from people that claim, you know, to, to hold a literal stance to the Bible. I don't know, uh, how that happens, but, you know, studying church history, it helps us really to not get excited or be fooled by the newest spiritual fads. Um, and, and that's something that we see constantly. You know, people come up with this this new thing and you go, yeah, I, I already read about that like a while ago. You, you're kind of late to the party, right? Like the book of Ecclesiastes even says there's nothing new under the sun. So uh, thanks, but not interested. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I feel like uh, youth ministry and uh, college ministry and even women's ministry, those three tend to fall prey to mm-hmm. these different popular heresies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's And that's really because, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but it's true is it's an easy target, right? Because children don't know and the parents rely on the church to teach the children rather than the parents teaching the children. Well, the parents don't know because either they were never taught or they're just too lazy to dig into it and, and actually learn. Uh, women, what we have seen is the it's the women that usually have the biggest desire to actually learn theology, right? They want to learn what the Bible says. Um, and it's typically the women that have to drag the husbands to the church rather than the husband leading the family and saying, no, we're going to church and this is how we're going to structure our lives. So, but the women are getting into it and, uh, women are, and correct me if I'm wrong, are, are tend to lean more towards the emotional side of things. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so when there's something that, that messes with the emotions, uh, it, you tend to steer away from that and goes, go to whatever emotions make you feel better. Uh, so, or, or something that that's easier to comprehend, especially when you have to explain it to a child. Uh, so if, if the child is learning something from the church, um, as long as the mom's learning the same thing, typically they're going to mesh together because they're just going to be regurgitating to one another what they're being taught. Uh, but from the pulpit, there's not a whole lot of sound doctrinal theology that's being taught because pastors mostly don't actually study the scripture. Most preaching is not expository preaching. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a famous, well-known pastor here in the Atlanta area has said expository preaching is just cheating. Well, that's because he's never had to actually do the work of an expositor. <laughs> um, but once, once you start actually expositing the text, you're forced to deal with what the text says. And you have to be real and you have to be honest with it, regardless of what your emotions say. So that's why in children's and women's ministries, what they come away with is a lot of uh, not sound theology, 
but Bible verses, their pet Bible verses that they can apply to aspects of their life that make them feel good and get through whatever it is, rather than saying, you know, this is the sovereignty of God. And, you know, it's not, it's not a, a health, wealth, name it and claim it type thing where if I just, you know, say the right thing and I, and I, I white knuckle it and get through, you know, and, you know, God's going to carry me. It's, you know, God may have a purpose in this. Right. It, it, it may be God that that's putting me through this trial. He's testing me through fire right now. Um, and so I need to uh, I need to stay faithful to Christ, um, whatever this tribulation or whatever this trial might be. Um, and that's where, you know, we can actually look back at church history, like Chris mentioned earlier. And we are not without a cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, those martyrs. Right. And I think of uh, Thomas Cranmer. Thomas Cranmer, um, he was uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, and he he was with uh, Henry VIII, um, and so he kind of supported Henry VIII with the whole Church of England thing. And once Henry died and Edward came into power, Edward was Protestant, and so Thomas Cranmer uh, Cranmer switched to, to Protestantism and and you know followed the reformers. But then once Edward died, Mary came, rose to power, and she was staunch Catholic, and so he switched to Catholic. But Mary said, "Nah, you're not fooling me. In, into jail you go." Um, so, but he was you know, he was at, at his heart, a Protestant. And so he, they brought him a, a recantation to sign and he signed it and immediately he repented of it. So, uh, when he went to the fire after, um, bishops Latimer and Ridley, you know, the first thing he said was, you know, into the flames with this right hand that I, that I, that I, uh, sinned against God with, um, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but, uh, it was something to that effect, but, uh, you know, that, that's how, how much of a display of that, do we recognize in ourselves the the wishy-washy going back and forth and finally it's just the you know what i submit to christ i'm a sinner i deserve to die here's this right hand you know and i will go out you know in the flames for christ um so we have uh, i mean whatever trial we're going through we have those who have gone before us that uh that have had it much worse and so we can look back at them as our encouragement uh, for whatever we're dealing with. Oh, absolutely. And like you said, we can look at the past, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, and church history and see God's faithfulness and the fact that he has never once failed his church and just be encouraged and really be empowered to face whatever trial it is that we are going through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So for someone who is new to studying church history, are there any resources that you would recommend or where would you even recommend someone to start at? Yeah. So um, one of the the best resources you can get that's really uh, an easy, easy read, um, and this is kind of standard in every Bible college, um, it's called The Story of Christianity. It's two volumes by Justo Gonzalez. Um, and I mean, in it, it's some areas are, are, are a little more in depth than others, but you know, he doesn't go without, uh, you know, at least giving a snippet of other areas and kind of, uh, the main idea and what was going on and, you know, things like places like Brazil and, uh, and things like that as the church is growing. So, um, I would say two volumes by, uh, Justo Gonzalez, the story of Christianity. Um, if you want to go a little more in depth. The Four Volumes by Nick Needham, 2,000 Years of Christ's Power. 
Um, this is really, really good. Uh, Nick Needham is a, is a historian. Uh, he's, I mean, he's even got, uh, uh, what is it like early church fathers, uh, devotional calendars or something like that, that, that he put out. Um, but this is, is really good. Uh, highly recommend that. And, uh, if you want, you know, kind of, uh, video lectures, you can go to Ligonier and Ligonier actually has a six part, uh, series by Robert Godfrey. That's a survey of church history. Um, so it, you know, it's six parts, but you know, in each part there's 12 sessions. So you get a, a full, uh, church history, uh, course in that. Uh, and plus, if you want, uh, and there are always different aspects of church history that you can study. Like if you want to, if you want to get a little more pointed, uh, there's things on the Reformation that you can get. I mean, I talked about John Knox earlier. John Knox actually wrote a history of the Reformation. Um, so he's, he wrote about that time. Uh, there's another book um, that Chris reads all the time. Uh, it's called The Great Awakening. Uh, and it goes from the start of the Great Awakening, and it it outlines and hits all the key players from the Great Awakening, and and just kind of traces it through um, from start to finish. Uh, you know, if you're interested in revivals, uh, Ian Murray has a book called Revival and Revivalism, uh, which which talks about what true revival looks like, but then what manufactured revivalism looks like as well. Uh, so there's uh, the spectrum is broad. Yeah. 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 The spectrum is, is broad, uh, for studying church history. It's really, uh, what do you want to study? What, what captivates you? Uh, for me, you know, I'm, it's really weird because I'll study one part and then another part will just draw my attention. Like, uh, the apostolic fathers, uh, you know, so those are the, the, those who came directly after, the apostles like Clement of Rome and uh, Ignatius of Antioch. Um, so, I mean, the, the spectrum's wide uh, and th- there, there's tons of resources out there. Um, but the ones, the ones that I recommended are probably uh, the easiest to get a hold of, the easiest to follow, and they're going to give you uh, plenty of information for you to actually decide, you know, what areas do I want to dive deeper into? If people are interested in in some biographies as well, um, you know, short there's short little biographies that uh, Steve Lawson has done. Um, those are those are a treasure to grab as well. Um, it's called "A Long Line of Faithful Men," I believe, is the series, um, and he's written um, maybe a dozen uh, biographies in that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I think his next one is uh, going to be on Rachel Hollis, you know, the great theologian. So. <laughs> but it is great. Like if you can have that resource and be able to look at like, here is what godly men look like. Here is what godly women look like. When these other types of people come into the spotlight, you can very easily see like this is not they are not an example of what a biblical man or woman right. should look like. That's right. I mean, and even more recently on Twitter, you have like Jory Micah, right? Talking, mm-hmm. to, saying something ridiculous and someone replied and said, quoted Revelation and she replied back with, well, Jesus didn't write Revelation. And then it's like, <laughs> the, oh, it's, wow. it, it starts out the revelation of Jesus Christ given to John. <laughs> you know, it's just... 
So, I mean, but you're absolutely right. You know, it's just we we can say it's our it's our measuring tool, right? To to look at the things that are coming up now and go and we measure what we would say orthodox Christianity. Another tool for doing that is creeds and confessions. Uh, creeds and confessions came by way of dealing with heresies. So we can take those and we can measure those as well against, you know, some of the, the current nonsense and say, you know what, uh, you're, you're a little wackadoo. Like you're not just, you're not just like off a little bit. You're gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Are, uh, are you going to the, uh, cruciform conference? Yes, I am. I am so excited. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be really cool. We're doing a uh, uh, a recording up there for the at the pre conference uh, for for Cruciform conference, and that is going to be uh, that's gonna be a lot of fun. Just because it's our first time doing a conference like that, and Chris mm-hmm. is actually speaking in the conference. He's one of the the main speakers, but just the lineup that's gonna be there uh, is. I mean, that's like G3 type Amazing. stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And for our listeners, um, ladies, the tickets for women are like $35. So mm-hmm. they, it's cheaper than foundation. So go buy your conference tickets because they are such a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. And there's going to be a, 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 a women's speaker there too, right? Yes, I believe it's Michelle Leslie, Leslie. if I remember yep. correctly. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So uh uh it's going to be it's gonna be really awesome. And you know, one of the things we wanted to do is open it up to ladies, um, uh, so that they can come in and, and they can get properly discipled as well. You know, we didn't want it to be just something that was gonna be, you know, just men uh and, and anything like that and, and kind of be off putting to women. We want women to come in and learn as well. Oh, yeah. And I'm super excited because we had scheduled this interview and I started seeing uh, stuff about it and I researched it. And I'm like, Dustin, who's my husband, like, we should really consider going to this. And uh, so we bought our tickets and yeah, my ticket was, I think, thirty five dollars. Like you just can't beat that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show to talk about this with me. I have personally learned a lot from you and from Chris, and it has just been an honor to sit and talk with you. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. A special thanks to Drew and Chris again from Matters of Theology. This was such an amazing episode to record, and I'm so sad I had to edit so much. It was just so amazing, guys. And I know it's a little bit longer than what you're used to, but thank you so much for listening. And stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. We're going to be talking about the Gen Z Bible. We're going to be talking about Lamentations. We just have a lot of cool episodes coming up. And I'm excited to see what we can learn together. All right, let's close out with a benediction. Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Lord.